Hi, this is Regeline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me podcast. My guest today is Lisa Priestley. Lisa Priestley is a health coach, master trainer, author, speaker, and she's known to everyone as Coach Lisa. Lisa has been offering holistic health and fitness for over 25 years. Currently, she has a virtual fitness studio, Studio in the Heights, based in Manhattan, where she coaches and teaches fitness and holistic health coaching business with her husband, Roderick Priest Priestley. They offer coaching, training, and workshops, integrating their unique East and West orientation of functional strength training, whole food nutrition, yoga, and healthy holistic living. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Wow, I am so, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So good to see you. Yes, ma'am. Likewise. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you're from? Well, I was actually born in Philadelphia, but I am currently, and I'd have to say, since I've lived here over 30 years, I'm from New York City. So I am a holistic lifestyle coach, and I'm a co-owner with my husband and business partner, Priest. Um, We own a virtual studio in Upper Manhattan, in New York City. We are right in the midst of it all. I love it. Now, Brenda Bloom here says, hello. (laughs) Hey, Brenda, how are you? She is one of our students and has our studio has been open for almost nine years. And I think Brenda is one of our longest term students and definitely one of our most dedicated students. She has done all of our programming is very much involved in the in the wellness of, for her life as well as our the wellness of our business because you know when we look at our business we really look at developing both the physical emotional and spiritual because we do all types of group classes and coaching so we do yoga classes and we do and I do a um doing and we do green cleanses for nutrition but we also do hit it hard too right we do high intensity interval classes, we hit it hard. And we do (laughs) bar classes, we do um, basic intro to strength programming. So we really try and find programs and classes that are good for all people. Now, so that we have a group, a team of eight of us that do that, um, coaches that we have that work with us. But, my husband and I are both also holistic lifestyle coaches, wellness coaches. And so we really bring a holistic focus to the members who join our studio. And one of our biggest programs um, on the nutrition side is our green feasting cleanse that we've run every quarter for the last four years. So we really help people transform their lives. And as a 59 year old woman of a co-fitness owner of a fitness studio in New York City, I have to say that my goal is really to help inspire people to make good choices so they can live their best life and live in their sweet spot. I love it. And hello, Brenda and Deborah. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Thank Deborah you, Deborah. As well. Hi, Deborah. How are you? Deborah is actually related to me. He's my co-owner's sister oh, and wow. a studio participant. That is our classes. I love Now, Lisa, tell us more about your living in your sweet spot principles, the topic of discussion today. Yes. So as I said earlier, when you think of this concept of living in your sweet spot, if you just think of the idea of sweet spot, it's any place that's optimal for obtaining 
certain desirable results, right? So who wouldn't want to be in their best place in their life, right? Because if you feel good, you look good. So you want to be in the middle of that, of uh, uh, in your sweet spot. So we actually have in our priestly process, it's based on a Venn diagram. So a Venn diagram is a diagram with three circles. So these three circles overlap. Imagine them like the Olympic circles, right? But just for three. And in the center of those three is the sweet spot. So what's in each of those circles is what is part of the process. So in the bottom, <clears throat> in the two bottom circles is fitness and fuel. So let's talk a little bit about that because probably the one circle that most people come into our studio experience is the fitness studio. Jasper, how are you? So thank you for coming. Yay, he is also one of our students and has had a miraculous story. Actually, I will use him to go through our principles. So Jasper came into our studio, um, just um, joined about a year ago, and he came into our fitness circle, right? Coming and doing our HIT classes. And that's our fitness part of our process. Many people stay right in that circle and you know they work out, they get stronger. Many times they lose weight. But he went on and moved mm -hmm. into our next circle, which is our fuel circle. And he joined in and did our green cleanse, which really kicks off when we look at fuel, we look at healthy food. Our green cleanse is a great way to start. Lee Mariam, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, so Jasper did our green feasting cleanse and then worked with our clean eating program and really started to learn how to make really good healthy choices, how to reduce the amount of sugar in his diet on a daily basis, take in more green vegetables um, and um, really looking at healthy eating. But what's so interesting about our priestly process, so imagine we, again, we have fitness and we have fuel, but that top circle is focus. And that's really where the, the mind, emotional, spiritual place comes in, right? So what, what are we thinking on a daily basis? What do we want to achieve? What are our goals? How are we manifesting the things that we want? And you know, I sort of believe that wherever we put our attention is, is the intention that we achieve. And so that is where those three circles really, really come together and, um, and where success happens. So you say, but maybe I'll do all those things that I don't live in my sweet spot, or maybe I only have time to spend more time just in my fitness circle. Well, we know that everything starts with a thought, right? So if we're gonna get up and make the choice to exercise, to drink enough water, to um, eat good and make good healthy choices, we are in that focus circle. So maybe it's not where we're spending all our time, but we're always in that circle, right? Because in some ways it's the foundation. But we, I, I like to think of it like, um, like the circles change size, right? <laughs> kind of depending on where we are, right? Right. So I draw them as even circles, but sometimes, hey, we're under a lot of stress and we need to spend more time in that fitness circle. Because inside of that fitness circle, I share this, I will, let's dig a little deeper into that circle, is that I believe that it's both working in and working out. Because we only think of fitness as like working out, right? How many, how strong can I be? You know, how many burpees can I do? What's my, you know, my best 
my best weight, my best heaviest deadlift. But you can also do things in movement fitness like yoga, which is working in, right? So where we start to start to become more aware of our muscles and how they feel and how we move and what's tight. So so we we have to look at working in and working out. So maybe some weeks that circle is bigger. And maybe parts of that circle, like if you looked at it like a little cell, right? You have you have all those little guys inside of a cell, your mitochondria, fun things like that. For all of us that took biology, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> but um, you know, some of those things inside that cell will grow. Some weeks I'll do more yoga because I feel like I need to sort of work in my fitness. And some weeks I feel like, dude, I am ready. Bring it, right? And I'm ready to like do my deadlifts, do my burpees and really get stronger. And we need that balance. But sometimes we blow up on that fuel, right? Sometimes we say, hey, doing a detox, which we are starting a detox this week, if anybody would still like to join us. So we'll be doing a seven day detox where we're gonna blow up that fuel circle. And with that fuel circle, if you're sort of detoxing and we're eliminating a lot of the foods that create like sugar that creates a real roller coaster of energy and you're up and down. You don't always feel so good. You can feel anxious. Sugar, hey, sugar is no joke. Sugar is a class one age drug. It is more addictive than heroin and cocaine. So, you know, if we're blowing up that fuel circle and we're going to expand that in our lives that week, in some weeks we do that where we're, um, making very healthy choices and that's our focus then maybe our fuel our our fitness circle is a little bit smaller right because we're putting our minds there so again it's a dynamic being in your sweet spot right but it is always trying to find that balance between those three things in our lives um as jasper said he likes the fitness model because his mind changes constantly i have to say i know jasper he's a he's a science teacher. So that does, he does change. <laughs> wonderful. I see your husband join us. Hello. Mr. Oh my God. Hello. He's Glad you're here today. Yes. And you know, when we put together our business, the way this whole priestly process kind of came, when I talk about working in and working out, you know, we took our passion because um, neither one of us were in fitness when we met. Uh, Priest is a singer songwriter, and I was actually a cor in corporate sales and marketing. So we met and realized that we both had a passion for fitness. Uh, Priest is a uh, four-level martial artist, four black, four-degree black belt martial artist. I also did study some martial arts, and then I'm a yoga teacher. And so we start looking at what are all the things that allows us to come to this age and live in our sweet spot. What is it that puts us in a daily flow of having good energy and the ability to inspire those people around us to want to be at their best as well? That is absolutely amazing. Now, Lisa, tell us more about the book you are publishing, Stepping Stones to Success. Yes. So that book, um, and I'll show it to you. Here it is. So I... Um, 
it, it's it's fun to to do this type of publishing. I had the opportunity and was contacted to where they interview you and then you are published based on your um, expertise. So um, I have a chapter in this book. Um, it's called The Three Circles of Health, Fitness, Fuel, and Focus. And you can see that they interviewed, and I got I got to share the moniker with some very big people, Dennis uh, Jack Canfield, Dennis Waitley, Deepak Chopra, Deepak Chopra. And I have to tell you, just a little aside, to be in a book with Deepak Chopra is so exciting because he was one of the people who I read who made me want to be and do holistic fitness versus just doing fitness itself. So, you know, I came into the business in my 30s, coming out of it from more of a weight training, bodybuilder kind of focus, and then realized that as I began to age, and you're going to end up having injuries and things that come as an active athlete, you need to have a more holistic approach to life in order to, oh, thank you, Andrea. Thank you very much. Um, to be able to be successful. I mean, this approach has helped me through many successes and many things and, and many challenges. I mean, in terms of success that it put me through, I mean, I was always an athlete. I started being an athlete when I was like 12. I was a swimmer. I was a MVP in, in high school and in college in swimming at a time in the 70s when they had said black people aren't supposed to be able to swim, they're supposed to only be able to sink. And I was, and I was a swimmer. So, I mean, I didn't know holistic stuff then, but hey, you know, I mean, women back then, I was doing pull-ups and push-ups and there weren't a lot of girls doing sports at that time. So, you know, I kind of had that competitive mindset that, hey, I can achieve anything that I want to achieve. It came right through to my biggest athletic event that I did in 2010 where my husband and I and a team of six other riders, cyclists, we raced our bikes in a big race called the Race Across America. And we raced 3,000 miles in seven days, nine hours and 27 minutes. Do I need to say that again? 3,000 miles across the country from Oceanside, California to Annapolis, Maryland in seven days, nine hours and 27 minutes. So wow. we were on a nonstop team um, one of the people on here, my sister-in-law, Lee Mariam, was one of our support, part of our support team and helped us accomplish that feat. But I have to tell you, that was tough. But we had good nutrition, good athletics. And I can't tell you that as hard as it was physically, it was equally hard in that focus circle. Because there's so many days when you are under very little, little sleep and a major, major physical stress that it is only that focus circle that gets you through. You know, I mean, I had to say, I went through self-doubt that, hey, I don't know if I can make it, but it's, it is your mind, your focus that gets you through an event like that. And, you know, so this is how I started, we started to develop this process because you start to look at what things has made me successful in my life. What have I pulled together to have it be that I can be a good and productive, hopefully inspirational, holistic fitness coach. Um, so that was one of my biggest athletic uh, feats 
which in which having those three circles has really helped me to, to help me get through it. And then just after I had my biggest athletic accomplishment, I had my biggest physical challenge. I found out in my 50s, no less, that I was born with a heart defect I didn't even know about. Didn't even know about it. And, you know, it's nothing like going into a doctor. You think, hey, I'm on top of the world. I just raced across the country. And he says, you know what? Dude, your heart is not hooked up right. And within the next six months, you need to have open heart surgery. So it's not an emergency, but if you don't do it now, you'll be on the couch for the rest of your life and not be able to do anything athletic. And that has got to have been the scariest thing that ever happened to me in my life. And probably one of my biggest, in a different kind of way, physical challenges in which those three circles once again came into play for me to find that sweet spot and for me to be sitting here talking to you in yet a sweet spot, right? I To find that flow in my life. So yes, I went into a four-hour surgery. I was in the ICU for three days, in the hospital for a week. And I have to say, three months of recovery of, you know, you start off that first week and that fitness circle was where I was, but that focus circle played such a big role. I could barely walk 3,000 steps, 5,000 steps. And if it wasn't for really the grace of God and my family and friends that really brought me through and gave me the fortitude is community support to be successful, right? And so I had to eat well, no joke. I, yeah, I was a little bit anemic. I had to take in the right amount of calories and the proper food. I had to have the mental focus that I would be back and be able to deadlift and do burpees and be a leader in my community on a physical level, even in my late 50s. And of course, the, the fitness, right? I had to be dedicated on a daily basis. And again, I come back to those three circles because it's so often in life that I feel like when I talk to clients that they don't understand that it's all three. You know, they think, oh, if I just do squats, that's going to do it. Or if I just stop drinking wine, that's going to do it, right? But it really is a constant play to live in that sweet spot. Because I feel like who would say, who would ever argue that they wouldn't want to get up and be their best, to do their best work, to have the most energy that they could have on a day? Like, who wouldn't want to have that? But we do things and we put things in our bodies or we sit on the couch too long and then we make an excuse about why we can't do it. Now, hey, when I came back from my heart surgery, I was all the way deconditioned. Right. So I was totally a beginner. So I was like a, a real high level athlete that became a total novice. So I know I can help people work from step one to step 10. And in our in our programming and in coaching with myself or my husband, we meet you where you are and move you forward through that process. Right. And we look at what are you eating? What are your habits? But what is your life goal? What are your visions? What are you focused on? What do you want to achieve? Because if you want to achieve a promotion, that takes focus, but you got to be at your best. 
right? So if you're eating crap, right, and not taking care of yourself and not moving, how are you going to be at your best sitting in front of that person and have the vitality to inspire that person to want to have you in their life? So that's, you know, very much about gives you some insight on how I've used this process and how we develop this process. You know, like if, if we didn't just pull it out of the air, right? You look at all the things that you've achieved and how and what it took to pull those things together to be successful. That's right. You're truly a warrior, Lisa, for overcoming open heart surgery. Now, Lisa, you. you're welcome. Miss Priestley says, hi, Lisa. <laughs> hi, Teresa. How are you? Yes, I love Good it. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Now, Lisa, thank you for joining. Yes, ma'am. Now, tell us more about another challenge that you face in regards to your mother having dementia. Oh, gosh, that is a tough one. And um, so, nine years ago, my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So she was not young. She was in her late seventies. Um, but it's the devastation of seeing that and having um, a parent go through that and she's still in it is very difficult because it is, well, let's start with, she was a master baker and we definitely had a lot of sugar in the house. And unbeknownst to me at that time is that people with very high sugar diets have a 400% increase as per the Mayo Clinic of having um, onset of dementia. So we can see that sugar has a humongous impact in that and it actually started to make me more aware of my eating habits. And I went from being eating a lot of heavy grains in my diet to reducing to almost no grains in my diet because complex carbohydrates become sugar in the body. Sugar becomes sugar, complex carbohydrates become sugar, and simple things. Um, um, so do fruits and vegetables also become sugar. But we do need some sugar in our bodies because we need glucose to run our brain. But if you have too much, the brain can't metabolize that. And that's how they're starting to learn that um, dementia can be very much uh, come beyond be on the onset of dementia can come as a result of sugar in the diet. Not the only reason, but definitely a trigger. And Andrea, I see that you're, you live with my mother and, and, and you, are you saying that your mother actually also had dementia or is that what you're saying, Andrea? I believe so. She says, I live with my mother and completely understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, so you understand how difficult it is. And I think the saddest thing about dementia is that the physical person is still there and yet who they were as a person, their light, their energy, their personality all starts to fade away. So it's, it's, it's a, a slow, a very slow uh, loss of someone. And so um, it has been very difficult. My, my, when my mother was first diagnosed, my father was her primary caregiver uh, for four years. And then, you know, the stress of caregiving is also difficult. He was very saddened by his wife um, and uh, being becoming ill. And 
and he died. And so for the last four years, my sister and I have been primary caregivers, uh, supervising five women in Philadelphia for her care. And Andrea, I am so sorry to hear about your mother as well. Um, you know that it's it can be such a slow and painful um, death. And my mother is still living, but I think the hardest part about it is, is that, you know, in some ways she seems content, but she, the mother I knew and loved in terms of having this woman who cared and nurtured for me for so many years, someone who I loved and trusted. Oh gosh, now I'm gonna get emotional. Um, it's so difficult to see those people go. And you know, it is by <clears throat> faith and through, I had to go back to our process, but like staying physical, keeping my body strong, you know, finding practices. I do quite a bit of, I do a daily meditation practice. I practice yoga several times a week and all those things to help call the anxiety and the sadness. You know, I, I talk to people. I have, we have several people at the studio whose parents are also going through this and sometimes just sharing um, and talking with other people in that focus um, is tough. Yes, um, my Lee Mariam knows my mom. They call her Mama Irene. And she still has her sweetness. You can still feel that. But, you know, it's it's difficult to, to have lost my father and to in emotionally really have lost my mother as well. So it's it's been difficult. And um, but, you know, I, I feel like there's a resilience that through all these different things that I've shared with you um, that has helped me build a sense of strength, inner strength to be able to have the faith that, um, you know, we go on and um, and I can still find and participate and go on with and live a full life, even though I have, um, you know, it's difficult on some days. It's very difficult. I definitely understand my great aunt. She has, you know, dementia and, you know, she reads books and sometimes she forgets that she read a book and she'll continue to read that same book over and over again, day in, day out you know, maybe even for the same month, she will continue to read that same book. So I definitely understand as well, as well as with the folks in the audience as well, who have gone. Yes, 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 I, um, yeah. And you know, it's so interesting too, is that dementia <clears throat> that affects people differently, right? So not everybody is affected the same way. And even my mother, you know, like she very quickly went from being able to read a book to not being able to really comprehend what she had read, you know, and now, you know, she is at the point where she's totally dependent on someone to take care of her, you know, because your mind actually forgets how to do, like how to, you know, care for yourself. And then someone has to do all of that for you. Yes, ma'am. And that's where she is. Yes. So it's a, uh, it's hard, but I do, you know, I, I hold on to my sweet spot. <laughs> I do and find my flow through various, through various, um, I don't know, means, I guess I should say to make that, to make my day fruitful and full.
That is amazing. Now, Lisa, you mentioned your, your faith and how your faith has helped you get through this as well. Now, can you tell us more about your relationship with God and how important it is to you? Well, um, I, I look at God in, in, in a broad sense um, in terms of the universal sense of someone supporting or someone or something or some energy being what supports us to get through our lives um, and gives me the uh, ability to deal with my trials and tribulations that I come to in my life. That is amazing. You're truly an overcomer. Now, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> what change do you wish to see in the world? What change do I wish to see in the world? Well, you know, that's a kind of a loaded question, um, <laughs> especially in this day and age because there's so much happening. Um, one thing I, I feel first is that as an individual, that we show up to be the change we wanna see in the world. Now, I wish I had been so um, eloquent in making that quote, that's a Gandhi, that's from Gandhi, but I do believe that like how we show up, that we represent what we wanna see. So for me, I would say that I'd like to see um, in this time of so much discourse, I would like to see there be more peace um, and understanding with individuals. I feel that there is so much dissension right now uh, amongst our races and amongst people and that people could see sort of the light and the God self within all of us, right? That it like somebody doesn't have to be better than somebody because of whatever the reason that we are all here as hopefully, well, maybe we're not all loving, but we can, that we can find sort of our heart center and connect with people and see the sameness in us, right? How different are we? Not that different, right? I mean, we all have an external difference. We have different hair, we wear different clothes, different skin colors. But I believe that from an internal sense, you know, we need to, to find that sameness amongst us. And we need to I mean, it sounds corny to be like, go out and give out hugs to everybody. But there's a woman that goes around and hugs everybody. But I, but the change I want to see is really that people see that we're not that much different. And to <laughs> stop fighting over the things that, you know, like, I feel like some people are just looking for the difference versus looking for the same. Amen. And I feel like that in sameness and in education and exposure that people can start to learn that people can be that we can take care of each other and we don't have to be so negative. You know, things like George Floyd, those type of things are wake up calls for our, in our country that, you know, we need to stop looking at people just by their race or their religion and, and separating ourselves, but we need to be and welcoming and um, loving to each other. Amen. I, I agree. And also the political views as well. You know, a lot of oh times my God. someone mentioned to me on the podcast just the other day, you know, he says that your blessing may come from someone who's on a different political party than you. Exactly. And, 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 you know, like it's, 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 you know, I feel like in our current situation, things have just really ramped up. You know, there was a time that like, okay, someone's a Democrat, somebody's a Republican, somebody's an independent. And, you know, it, 
you know, you, okay, I don't agree with all the things that your party says and all the things that you want out of your party, but I felt like there was a respect. Like you, you agree here and I agree here and we'll agree to disagree. But now I feel like, oh, so you don't, if you don't agree with me, then, you know, it has become more of an identity than an actual um, belief system, meaning that people will then hate you for that. Or people feel it's okay to kill you for that or to, you know, um, throw you out in the street. You know, those are the type of things that I feel, you know, how do we move forward if we spend so much time just looking at where we're different? Thank That's you, right. Brenda. I appreciate that support. <laughs> yeah, she says 100, 100%. Yes. 100%. Yes, ma'am. We definitely need more peace and understanding in this world. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, it sounds funny to bring this back to fitness, but when you eat this, I, you know, it sounds funny. I bring everything back to food, but if you eat like too much sugar, too many grains, inflammatory foods, actually can and like you take you do too many things that um like coffee things that make you feel like a stimulants you know you can get too hyped up on stuff and sometimes then we can't be our best self because we are like being spiked by things right so you're not calm and you're not able to make good uh balanced decisions about things and so you know you, you know you always see those like like Animal House, so I'm really dating myself, but like, you know, like chugging things like coffee or Coke or Red Bull, right? And then you get all like fired up and it's like, ah, you know, it's like you get that, like you can get overcharged. And sometimes it's, you know, if you were going to go out and, and brain fog, right, Brenda, you just get like brain fog, right? And then you make bad decisions and then you get in a group mentality and you go out and do something that's not so kosher, not so cool, right? Um, I feel like, you know, it sounds great. You know, if we could all just get along, but if we could look at the choices that we make on a daily basis, we can, you know, if we could learn practices uh, in yoga from like how to breathe and settle our breath. So we do something like alternate nostril breathing, which really helps to calm the mind, to help you make more balanced decisions. If we could, you know, not drink seven cups of coffee, maybe just a cup of coffee or trying some tea, things that don't spike us up so much. We wouldn't feel so, have so much anxiety about life and be so like overstimulated with things. And then, you know, the last piece is probably when we look at that focus circle, I mean, it's just, I feel like this just keeps opening up. You know, you look at the news, shoo, right? What it does to our minds if we overindulge um, it can really get us also really hyped up and feeling anxious and over. And then we go out and, and we take a depressant like alcohol, right? And that brings us down. And then you're like, oh, now I need some coffee to bring me up. So we can get on this roller coaster, both in how we feel and mentally how we um, show up in the world. That's right. Now you mentioned showing up. How important is it for folks to understand to show up for themselves? Oh my God. That is so important. Um, you have to show up for yourself. I mean, it's, it's interesting because being in as a fitness coach and sort of really, I say holistic fitness, you're really also looking at people's lives. Right. And it's so interesting. Like it's not rocket science to like feel better 
and get in good shape. But people don't want to show up for themselves. So what I what do I mean by that? So like typically I'll say, well, here's five things you can do. I need you to drink more water, drink a little less wine. I need you to eat a little less carbs. And um, I need you to exercise, even go just walking four to five days a week. And people are like, well, you know, I, and they have a fill in the blank. There's always a reason why they can't make that happen. They don't show up for themselves, right? It's like they almost dig their heels in on the things that they know they've just told you they that, 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 that doesn't have them feel their best or be their best. You know, like they get, they dig their heels in. Well, I, my doctor said that I need to have two glasses of wine a day. I said, okay, why? Oh, because it has antioxidants. Okay, yes, it does. But if you really want good antioxidants, you get more from some oranges, right? So it's called resveratrol that you get in wine. So it's drink the wine because you like it. And then, but if you really want to lose weight and you're taking in two, 300 calories of wine a night, then it's not the thing that's helping you show up for yourself. Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So it's like you have to really um, consider what it is that you want to achieve. And then, I mean, who can show up for you but yourself, right? Now, you know, you can, because people will say the things that they want to achieve, but people have to be really ready to achieve them, right? So you can say, I'm ready to do this, but doesn't mean that you're really ready to take action. So there is a continuum from understanding what you want to understanding actually how, I'm not picking on wine, Brenda. <laughs> it's just such a, I'm sorry. I, I, Brenda has low sugar wine that she sells. And so she's, you know, she thinks I'm picking on her. I'm not picking on her, but, um, um, but you know, like you have to, like, you have to then move and be in action about what it is that you want to achieve. Right. So it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it and then show up for yourself because the truth is no one else can show up for you. No one else can find that sweet spot for you. You do have to come and show up and do the work. And isn't that true about everything in life? That's right. Right. Yeah. You no, know, people use fitness because it's kind of like there used to be a funny commercial on um, that one of the fitness companies had here. And so the, the TV pans in and you hear somebody going one and two and three and four. And, and then it pans around the wall. And you see the TV and someone's exercising and then it pans even further. And the woman is watching the person exercise while they're eating breakfast, right? So that's kind of like showing up. It's what I now call exercise porn in this virtual world, right? People are like, if I watch them exercise, I'm probably getting in a little better shape <laughs> than I would be if I was watching something else, right? Because it's like, it, you know, that's what I'm, I'm sort of teasing. But um, yeah, you have, you do have to show up for yourself in the world and you just have to, you know, you can have people in your life like myself or our studio that can help move you down the path, right? But you have to walk through the door. As soon as you walk through the door, we are here with open arms to move you forward and to help you show up better for yourself and to get the results and the things that you want to achieve. 
You know, so if whether it used to be in our brick and mortar studio where people actually came through the door and were nicely welcomed through one of our coaches, now it's through our virtual studio. I know she's sorry. She was one of our brick and mortar visitors, but we still give hugs out virtually. So it's not the same, but we are still here for people to help them show up and to be able to advocate for themselves. And we're here to hold that space for them to be successful. I love it. Now, Lisa, how important is it to maintain a positive mindset? Oh boy. I think that kind of self-care, not selfish. Yeah. What Lee wrote now, I'll get, I'll get to the mindset. It actually, it's kind of a good answer to what you just asked me about a positive mindset, right? Yes. Is that it really is a mindset of self-care, <laughs> right? And not selfish, which is interesting because often people feel, and this is, this is a little flip on your question, but Lee brings up a good point is that, um, you have to see showing up as self-care and that it's not selfish. I have quite a few moms that come to the studio and I, and quite a few moms that are neighbors that would tell me they would come to the studio, but they don't have time because they think it's selfish for them. Their attitude is that is selfish for them to take the time out away from their families or any uh, care or caregiving to, to get themselves in shape. And I say, you can't give from an empty cup, right? You have to take the self-care and it's not selfish because I, it's actually the reverse. It's selfish for you not to take care of yourself because I used to say this to my dad. I said, you know, you have to get out of the apartment because in order for you to take care of mom, you have to be able to take care of yourself. So it that's a big part of, I would say, mindset is that you have to, yes. And I had said that earlier, it all begins with a thought, right? I had said that in the beginning of our focus circle, right? So that goes back to our three circles of health, that it begins in that nothing happens without a thought, right? The first thing we have to think it, we have to believe it, it sounds, but to achieve it, right? You have to see yourself. Um, I am in a coaching group. And the one thing that we do is something called scripting. And scripting is writing what it is you want to achieve as if, as if it's already happened. And that is such a powerful practice for all things, whether it's in your health, in your wellness, um, and achieving anything you want for business. You know, I see myself as an active individual. I, I, I am a person with a lot of energy. I function every morning and I have plenty of time to be worry-free, right? So we write the things that we want to be and there is our mindset. And those things create shifts because whatever we're thinking is what we're actually doing, right? So what we think of ourselves, where we put our minds is what it, we actually achieve because the brain does not wanna disappoint. The body doesn't want to disappoint, right? How many times do people say to me, oh, I, I, I don't think I could ever do that. And I go, oh, no, no, no. First we say, I can do that. And then so often it's like a blow away. I have a young girl now I'm training. She's 16. She's an athlete. 
So she came to me with two 15, doing deadlifts with two 15 pound dumbbells. And I ran into her in the street. This is before she was training with me. And I said, you know, those 15 pounds, 30 pounds for deadlifts for you, it's, it's not going to do anything for you. You need to be, you need to be deadlifting at least a hundred pounds. And she looked at me like a hundred pounds. How is that even possible? Right. And then, and then we got to 85 and she was like, I'm doing a hundred. Soon as she got to a hundred pounds and Gigi, this is no exaggeration. Soon as she got to a hundred every week for the last six weeks, she has added five pounds and we're at 165. See, because in her mind, she was holding herself back, not understanding that that is what she could achieve. But once she saw that she could and what, and release the fear and it's like, she walks in, she'll say to me, tomorrow we're gonna do 170. And she walks in with that mindset. So mindset is so important in terms of achieving what it is that you want, writing it down, scripting it out, and then looking at it every day, putting it up on a mirror, putting it up on your refrigerator so you can remember your own greatness and you can stand in that greatness. And I like what Brenda wrote, you must first put your put your mask on first on the plane. You put your mask on first, Brenda is a flight attendant, but it's true, it's the same thing about being, about self-care versus selfish, right? There's some people would say, oh, I would put it on my kid first. No, you put your mask on and then you put it on your child so that you are able to be of assistance. So I feel like, you know, so we've touched on a lot of different things, but they all kind of come down to where you put your thought, where you put your energy, where you put your attention, right? So what is it that you want to achieve is what, wherever you place it and believe it. That's the only way you're going to achieve it. Right. So if we live in negative self-talk, so we have about 70,000 thoughts a day and it is research to say that about 60 to 70 percent of them are negative because, you know, we have all these things that go on in our heads about what what we can do, and what we can't do. But if you can script and write down the things that you want to achieve and see them as being achievable and read it and believe it those things do happen. I, I really believe a lot in manifesting the things that you believe in, and but you do have to hold them. And you know, it's, it's kind of like the faith of it, right? That you believe it and you step and do all the right things to happen. And then those things are the things that happen, but you have to start with a belief. That's right. Now, Lisa, how important is it to maintain a positive attitude in regards to a resilient mindset as well? Well, I guess that kind of uh, piggybacks on what I said. It's it goes back to that those sixty percent of of negative thoughts that we have. You know, if 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 you don't stay positive about it, there's no way to achieve it. You know, we in our green cleanse, um, we tell people you're going to have smoothies for ba basically five days and salads. You're going to be raw vegan. And people are like, they look at me like, I'm not going to eat food. And I always say, let's be clear. You can go 21 days without food. And we are eating green smoothies, meaning fruits and vegetables all day. So, so 
it's all in your mind that you think that you can't do it because of the fact that you have to be positive, right? So I always think of like all the things we can't be without, right? You have three to five minutes that you can't be without air and you die, right? You get five to seven days without food. I'm sorry, without um, water, depending on the climate. But you get 21 days, right? So all of us that live in this culture of abundance of food, not that we don't have a lot of few, few food insecure people as we've moved into this pandemic, and that's sad to see. But we can, and I'm not saying we need to test it, but we know that people have been on water fast for up to 21 days, we can survive. So, so if we are without a meal or we eat a little bit less, it's in the mind, right? It's our mind that becomes hungry because it's a habit. And that positive mindset also moves into how we use our minds in fitness because our minds really fail before our bodies. And I've really learned that as an athlete, right? So people were like, I don't know if I can put another one, but like they're still picking the weight up because in their mind, like I can't do anymore. Oh, it hurts a little bit or it's too heavy, right? That's a mindset. So, you know, it's, it is my athletic mindset that got me through that race, through many difficult short nights and tough days. And it's that same mindset of being positive that got me through my heart surgery and me believing that I could be back and running a fitness business within six months of, you know, one of the most physically debilitating situations that I've had in my life. So um, yes, mindset is key. You know, I, I believed it. And I had people around me because I think community in mindset is also important, right? So the last piece of that is, you know, we have to believe it to achieve it. We have to put ourselves, you know, and find people, potentially coaches or facilitators to help us have it. And then we have to put ourselves in a community of like-minded people who also want similar things out of their lives and things that they want to achieve. And I think that's what comes back to why Studio in the Heights, our business, has had so many success stories. Why someone like Brenda would come on the podcast this evening and share her success because of our community. We have come together as a group and we support and hold a space for people to achieve their best selves. Very powerful. Now, Lisa, was there a time in your life journey where you experienced an aha moment? Ooh, let me give a thought about that. I didn't know that question was coming. Of course I didn't. It's a live interview. An aha moment. Gosh, I have them all the time. You know what? Let me just speak about the green cleanse. Because that's actually, I actually did have an aha moment. And my husband and business partner is probably over there laughing. So we, because he knows what I'm going to say. He can guess. So we've been running the cleanse, as I said. So it's seven days and five of those seven days, you are just having smoothies and salads. You're all vegan. Now I was a vegetarian for 15 years and I was what's called a hypoglycemic vegetarian. Someone who I would be feeling fine. And then all of a sudden I would be starving and I'd be like, I have to eat now. I want to eat somebody's arm. And it, it created crisis for me. So 
it's important for me to share that because now I go into these times of doing these seven day raw vegan and I have a connection between being vegetarian and being like really, really hungry. So we would start, yeah, he's laughing. Yes, I am laughing. We would, we would start up these cleanse meetings and you know, I'm giving the presentation and I'm being all positive and coaching and inside I would be like, oh my God, we're starting the cleanse. I'm gonna be too hungry. What's gonna happen? You know, and I would, <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna do it. But like I would have like, and my aha moment, and Reggie, I am not exaggerating. It took five years of doing this four times a year that I suddenly was like, I'm not gonna die. I'm gonna be okay. And it sounds funny, like it, I can't even, I don't even know if I could. So like I ha was had big anxiety about, oh, we make sure we have enough food in the refrigerator. We have to make sure we have all these things for the cleanse. I'd be like, oh my God, we don't have enough spinach. You know, like, what are we gonna do? Ah! <laughs> and I had this aha moment, like, I'm not gonna die. And that's why I got to that 21 days. I'm gonna be okay. And you know what? I'm gonna feel a little hungry. And you know what? That's okay too. Because why? Because I can get some food. And if I don't get it for an hour or two, it's not like the world's going to end. And it's, it was a true aha moment that like I had a shift of like, hey, we're starting to cleanse and I'm okay. This is, sounds like great. And I'll get the groceries or I'll get what we need and, and life is going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And I know it sounds funny that that was the aha moment, but you know, it's interesting because I believe that even as a health coach where I'm working with people all the time and their food and we, but you, you know, you're always also working on yourself, right? So you can't be a good coach if you don't look in the mirror. So as we go through our coaching programs, they're like, and now you have to do this for yourself. I know Deborah's laughing because she's probably heard that story before, but it's, it's like, I can also have, like I knew that the seven day green cleanse was good for me, but does it mean that I, in my focus circle, and th that I didn't have mental agita going into it? And it wasn't until I could get through that and have that aha moment that I could tell you for sure, even my presentation changed as we work with people. I'd be like, it's, it's all in the mind. I said, you know, I, I open our meeting with, we have three circles of health. And I used to always say the green cleanse is in the fuel circle where we're gonna look at our food and look at our diet, maybe lose a couple pounds. We're gonna reboot our systems and let go of sugar, alcohol, caffeine, all the stimulants. But I now I say, and, and it is most, the biggest part of this program is in the focus circle. And that was my aha moment that where I put my head, all those things, where I put my mind, how I see a situation can shift entirely the experience that you have. And so having, I stopped having the anxiety and I actually started to, I don't know if anybody really enjoys being in a green cleanse, but I got additional physical benefit that I got before, but like with less mental stress. And um, yeah, it was a, a major aha moment for me, the shift of understanding. And I've said this throughout this presentation, it's just that like 
where your mind is is where you go, right? So if you have anxiety about it, you have anxiety about it. If you feel positive about it. So, you know, when I say all the things you need for the cleanse, a blender, a tongue scraper, all this stuff, the last number seven is always a positive attitude. I and love it. That's what it takes, right? That you go into this reminding yourself, scripting that you're doing this for your health. You've committed because you're looking to get into a sweet spot that you recognize that you're not in it and you need to shift what you're doing to find a better balance and better health. Very powerful. Now you mentioned overcoming anxiety. How many years did you have anxiety before overcoming it? Well, overall anxiety, I still have some anxiety. <laughs> I can't say it has all gone away. Um, but the anxiety I was referring to was the anxiety about have, doing our green cleanse. Now, obviously you asked a, a pointed question. If I had anxiety about the green cleanse, do I have anxiety about other things? Well, absolutely. And I still have some anxiety and um, I'm always working on that. So I have practices in breathing, meditation. I have to say that meditation, daily meditation has been the biggest shift in me finding a more balanced day, right? So if I can meditate at least once a day, that it helps to train the mind to be still and that I handle things that come at me and the sense of overwhelm much in a much calmer way. Um, I also am mindful that, you know, like I like the taste of coffee, but regular coffee, not good for people who have anxiety, right? I go for decaf or I do matcha lattes, which I really enjoy, green tea. Green tea has a boost uh, with the a little bit of caffeine, but it has theanine, which is a, a amino acid that helps us be more up, but not like anxious or overstimulated. So it's really, I realized that I can't take in a lot of sugar, right? So, or I feel too overstimulated and that just increases a feeling of anxiety. So again, I probably had that throughout my life, but as I have started to improve on a daily basis of making good choices, I'm able to find and feel how it is when I am not in that sweet spot. You know, when I've sort of eaten or done or not had enough sleep, another way, right? Because if you don't get enough sleep, oh, that's one I forgot to talk about in that focus circle. If you don't get enough sleep and you feel tired, then, <laughs> Nothing diminishes anxiety faster than action. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you definitely, you have to, yeah, you have to act on whatever it is that's creating the anxiety, right? So you have to step into it. This is what my beautiful business partner and wonderful husband has taught me is that when I have that, those fears or the anxieties, you have to like step inside of it. And that's the only way you can conquer it. So that's a little bit on the fear side. And hey, we all have those fears. And as I've aged, I was talking to somebody about this this morning. Like, you know, when I was 30, I was like, let's jump out of a plane. <laughs> now I'm 59. I'm like, mm, I don't know. It's okay that I haven't jumped out of a plane yet. You know, it's, it's all right if I don't get that done in life. I don't have, it doesn't have to be on my bucket list anymore. So yeah, some fear is probably good. Um, I used to be a little more fearless um, and then probably people were like, hmm. Um, but I, I do agree that you do have to step inside of fear or you have to face your anxiety 
And then you have to have practices that help you to keep it at bay or to, to monitor, help it. Even things like at night, I drink chamomile tea, I drink lavender tea, things that really help to calm the body after being overstimulated. I've been, we've been working on lowering our screen time because screen time also can bring up um, cortisol levels and get you worked up and make it difficult for you to sort of wind down. So there's so many different ways that in working with us as a coach, um, coaches can really make a difference. Um, oh, look at Brenda, that's so sweet. A community yeah. helps people get into action. Yes, it does. Knowing there is help and there's a step. Yes, welcoming community helps those with anxiety feel welcome. Yeah, and that's a whole nother level of anxiety, right? Many people have anxiety about starting exercise programs or coming into an exercise studio. Um, and exercise can also help reduce stress and anxiety by re releasing endorphins and having one feel good. So yes, also exercise. So there's so many possibilities uh, of ways to handle anxiety. And really, again, all of those things, those three circles bring you back into your sweet spot. Again, which circle do you need to plug into the most? Is it the fitness circle and your movement? Also the movement of your body, your breath? Is it your fuel? Is it like how much food or what you're eating or like the amount of water you drink? Or is it your mind? And at the bottom, it's all in the mind, right? So, but if we can recognize it, script it, know that we can achieve it, we believe it, we can achieve it. Exchanging okay. my plane jumping dream for zip lining. I, Teresa, I'm right there with you. I zip line, the best zip line, the longest in Hawaii, and it is a blast. Zip lining is a zip lining is a blast. Can't wait to do it again. Tell us more about your experience zip lining. Oh my god! So we were in Kauai, Hawaii, and um, we were in a section. Um, it's a very uh, a part of the rainforest, and we went and they had the longest zip line. We were with my, I was with my husband and my sister. My sister said, I have a fear of heights. There's no way I'm getting on the zip line. And she's like, but if you guys are going to go, I'm going in. And oh my God, you get on the harness and you just like, you fly over the most, it's like flying. There's such a sense of freedom and lightness. You know, you're just like rolling over the trees, looking out in Hawaii is just, I've been to Hawaii like six times. I love Hawaii. Anyway, you're over the tree. It's just beautiful. And my sister, the first time she's like, you know, holding on for dear life by like, we have four passes, long passes by the second one. She's a photographer. She was like holding her camera up, trying to get selfies of, you know, her, you know, so it's not as scary as you think, but you do have to, it's, it goes into that sense of like, you step into it and then you can, if you step into what you're fearful of, you can often experience something just phenomenal if you allow yourself to, to experience it. And zip lining is one of those. Without fear, there is no courage. That's right. Say that That's again. Right. Say it again. With, without fear, there is no courage. Amen. Ah, amen. Very powerful. Very powerful. <laughs> My first was Pocahontas. Oh, 
and you've done it three times since. All right, Teresa. So there you go. So you you took on the zip lining. We don't have to jump out of planes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I used to want to rappel too down sides of mountains. I don't know. I'm not sure about rappelling. I used to climb up, but I don't know about going down now. I watch those like extreme shows. You're like, ooh, would I rappel down that mountain? I don't know. I guess if my life depended on it, I could do it. But if whether I would just go out and be like, can't wait to do it. Maybe. <laughs> it's, it's still possible. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And we must not live in fear. Very powerful. Very now, powerful. Yes, ma'am. Now, Lisa, tell us more about what gives you happiness in your life. Well, first of all, I am happy and I would say blessed to have a wonderful husband who brings me joy. I know sometimes, you know, anytime you have a husband, you're like, ah, they drive you crazy. But, you know, he's always very positive and very supportive. And um, so that's one. Um, two, my health makes me happy. Um, I feel very blessed to be healthy through this time. Uh, you know, during our sheltering and during our pandemic that I have been healthy. I am happy. And what brings me happiness is, I mean, I, I, I think overall, I'm a pretty happy person. So I would have to say life. But I have happiness most of the time when I'm not going through too much traffic on my bike. I'm a cyclist. And we cycle. Now, I, I do have some anxiety in a lot of traffic. But otherwise, um, and you know, I, I also feel a real sense of elation doing yoga as crazy as that might sound, just that release of being in my body, sort of being connected, um, is, is quite joyful. Have you tried more yoga? I have not tried happiness. Well, no happiness yoga. Or laughter yoga, they call the it. Laughter, you know what? So in our training for um, our holistic training, we were given an assignment. It wasn't, it's kind of like happiness yoga. We had to wake up for five days and laugh straight up for 10 minutes. It's like, now I have to say that it is a quite a powerful practice that to make yourself just like, <laughs> You just have to like, <laughs> you, you just like make yourself laugh. And it's kind of interesting. You know, like if, if you're doing it and there's any people in the room, you know, after a while you feel so silly laughing that you actually, it's contagious and you actually start laughing and you feel better. There's a real sense of release and endorphins um, that happens. So yes, I haven't practiced it on a regular basis, but thank you for reminding me of that. But yes, I have tried it and practiced for multiple days um, doing laughter. As you can see, I can break out at any minute. You just ask me when, let's laugh together. You want to laugh? <laughs> I love it, yes, ma'am. So now Brenda here, she says the wore down way more fun. <laughs> the wore down, I'm not sure what the wore down is. Can you elaborate for us, Brenda, in the comment section? <laughs> Hmm? Yes. And then Lee says, yoga uh, ha, ha. <laughs> have you done it, Lee? Have you done yoga with goats? 
<laughs> I have seen that. I have to tell you, we had some friends that had claimed they were going to open up a yoga with goat studio. Um, I guess, I guess it's them nibbling on you and stuff. I don't know. I don't know if that's my thing. Oh, Brenda said, whoops, there must be a misspell. <laughs> I don't know what the war down is. She says, oops, way. Oh, the way down. Oh, yeah. the way down on a zip line is so much fun. We're going back to our zip line. Tell us about that. What is that? The way down. So on a zip oh, line, you're down on the way down. down. Got yeah. it. Much <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> more fun on the way down. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. so Lee hasn't done. Oh, way down repelling. <laughs> oh, thank you for clearing that up. Because that came up and I wasn't sure what we were talking about. So you've done it, Brenda. So if Brenda's done it, then now I got to go do it. Yes. Now, Mr. Priestley says, there can be no happiness if the things we believe in are different from the things we do. I'll say that again. There can be no happiness if the things we believe in are different from the things we do. Very powerful, Priest. Thank you for sharing. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Brenda's like, yes, I'm going to say yes. Wow, that's a big one. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Now, Lisa, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? My best advice for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness. I think it's important that you look at your vision. Like, what is it that you want to achieve? And then stand inside of that vision and set your mind to, to get to it, um, to put your attention on what it is that you want to achieve. And then, of course, as a fitness professional and a holistic fitness professional, I'm going to say that you need to live in that sweet spot. You need to integrate all those areas of your life, your fitness, your fuel, and your mind. Your physical, emotional, and spiritual body need to line up, set a vision for what you want to achieve. And know that on a daily basis, you can live to your best, you can look your best, and you will feel your best. That's right. Very powerful. Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast today. I appreciate thank you. you. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. Now, where can the audience find you, Lisa? Well, you can find us um, at our at studiointheheights.com. Absolutely. And you can um, follow us on Facebook at Studio in the Heights or on Instagram. And um, if you're interested in, you know, doing more with your health and your nutrition and manifesting the, the life you've always wanted with health and vitality, give us a call. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Lisa at studiointheheights.com. And Lisa, again, I truly appreciate you for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You have a blessed Thank day. Thank you. You and too. Audience for tuning in. Have a blessed day, Thank everyone. Thank you all. Thank you. Oh, wait. Lisa, your husband says happiness lies in achievement and creative effort. Very key. Very happiness key. lies. Yes. Very achievement powerful. And yes. Very powerful. Huge takeaway, folks. Huge takeaway. Thank you very much. And this is why you. we're in business together and why he brings me so much happiness. Amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Bye, Thank everyone. Thank you, Deborah. Bye-bye. <laughs>